0: Welcome to the Smart Cities World podcast. I'm Sarah Ray, an editor at Smart Cities World, and today I'm with Barbara Chrysler, Director of Professional Lighting in the Global Public and Government Affairs Department at Signify. Today, we're gonna be digging a little further into the findings of some new research which Smart Cities World carried out in association with Interact by Signify. But first of all, Barbara, um, welcome to the podcast. And I was hoping that you could briefly um, begin by telling me a little bit about your role within Signifying.
1: Thank you very much, Sarah, for this kind introduction. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, in my role as Director of Professional Lighting in Global Public and Government Affairs at Signify, I advise cities and city decision makers on how to transition to energy-efficient lighting product systems and services. In addition to that, uh, at Signify, we also take an active role in promoting thought leadership and the strive towards a carbon neutral planet by 2050. So we are quite active in a number of key climate uh, change groups and organizations in order to promote uh, the work and the technologies and spread the excellent um, technologies that are actually out there in order to achieve the sustainable development goals as well as the Paris Climate Agreement.
0: Okay, excellent. And um, So you're obviously working with a wide range of cities, um, governments, other types of bodies, Um, so before we get specifically into the research that we um, jointly carried out, I just wondered if there's any particular trends that you're seeing at the moment
1: as you work with those different parties? Sure. I think um, at the outset, really, one thing is clear is that the awareness of smart cities has really grown exponentially in this last year. And governments realize the positive effects that uh, smart cities can actually have on their uh, citizens and the opportunities that come with that. Having said that, what I've also seen um, in this last year is um, also a bit of a reality check, which means that cities are actually realizing um, that smart city development is is not the silver bullet that is going to solve all their challenges and issues. Uh, And I think that's actually a good thing because we are actually having now a a more realistic conversation, if you like, uh, with cities about what a smart city can do and where the limitations are. One thing that uh, has come across many conversations that I've been having with uh, city decision makers is really the realization that street lighting uh, can be an ideal Backbone for launching uh, smart city strategies and and why is that well um, the the lighting infrastructure is is already there it's present it 's not something that has to be built uh, and there are about three hundred and twenty million um, light poles worldwide and so to to use those in order to actually add um, additional um, services such as electrical vehicle charging or public Wi Fi or smart parking or traffic light controls, in addition to the amazing energy savings of 70 to 80% that cities can achieve through smart connected lighting is really a a very strong argument for cities to consider lighting as a a good starting point in their smart city uh, development.
0: Yeah, and I think we've seen a few um, reports, um, research reports in the media recently about the, the growing role of lighting as well, So, um, but I just wanted to um, pick up initially on your um, comments about um, the realism now that's coming into smart cities, because that chimes with what we found in our joint research report, which we titled um, Smart Cities Beyond the Hype, because I think we also found that now we're starting to find out what some of the specific challenges, limitations, and work still to do are so I just wanted to look at that in a little bit more detail because some of the findings of that report um, surprised me more than others Um, and the headline finding I suppose that we had was that um, the majority of cities don't have an integrated or overarching strategy for their smart city at the moment so perhaps they're not looking beyond individual solutions or at how different city verticals could one day be integrated together Um, and it goes back to a little bit what you were saying about lighting but I wondered if you have anything further to add about that you know is that something that you're finding and why do you think that lack of the integrated overarching strategy is
1: yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think it's not surprising, really, because uh, managing a, a city is really a huge uh, juggling act. I mean, on one hand, administrators are expected to create these vibrant, safe spaces and improve people's lives and also compete with other cities when it comes to attractiveness and smartness and 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 livability. Uh, and at the same time... Um, Um, cities are facing ever-diminishing budgets. And and so cities are often responding to the most urgent needs rather than looking more strategically and holistically into into a long-term vision about how they want to develop the city further. And really, the the decisions that cities are, are making today Um, whether this is on on land use or transportation infrastructure energy food systems water access you name it they they all have major implications in the years to come and will be hard to unravel once they have been taken so cities um, often work in in silos cities departments don't work um, that well together and also that is not that surprising when you think about it because often these departments are actually competing for the same funding so to, to work together is perhaps something that is less natural to them on on the other hand in order to roll out and successfully roll out uh, a smart city uh, that touches really upon each and every un- angle of um of a of a city infrastructure they they will need to work together because otherwise the decisions they're making now can be quite costly and inefficient uh, in the years um, to come and and that's not an easy task really but there are already a number of cities that have successfully overcome this obstacle and i think if we if we look at some of the success factors i mean first and foremost it's really for the city to have a vision it's for the leadership to to really Uh, have a good understanding uh, on what they would like to achieve, which often goes really beyond also uh, an election cycle and goes much further than that. And then a second point is to have a dedicated team of employees that uh, is able to to manage this innovation process and build consensus among a a wide range of stakeholders. Um, And then I think what cities are also learning more and more is there is no one single service provider that will be able to offer it all. It's really about creating an, an ecosystem, an ecosystem of, of different um, stakeholders, whether these are city administrators, technology providers, and also citizens groups. And uh, this ecosystem needs to operate Uh, with open apis Mm -hmm. so that it allows the integration with other systems because these smart city applications evolve so rapidly that cities uh, need to build an infrastructure now that is open uh, and ready to be able to to integrate a number of verticals and and applications um and 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 so that the city gets ready now for applications that might not even have been developed yet but will be developed in the future so i think that the key words really are collaboration openness and integration when it comes to um successfully developing a smart city definitely um And to go back
0: to something related to that and another point that you made, obviously, the budget issue is still a challenge, it's not going to go away. Um, Are you seeing any new trends there to get past that obstacle to enable cities to do the types of things that you've mentioned?
1: Yeah, you know, funding is always um, mentioned as a as a as a stumbling block when developing a a smart city, and and certain applications are 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 costly and 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 have high upfront capital costs and and long payback times for deep renovation. So they can uh, be a significant barrier uh, to uh, really moving in into the right direction. Um, having said that, there are a number of, of innovative financing models out there, uh, and, and cities need to become more open and flexible to consider those. I mean, whether these are public private partnerships where cities and companies share the risk and the reward of, of smart city projects or actually um, innovative business models such as um, pay as you save uh, models where uh, cities are offered payment plans, uh, for instance in lighting, uh, where uh, the city repays with the energy cost savings that it makes from the lighting upgrade. So there is no real upfront capital expenditure there since the customer pays back the investment from the energy, uh, from the um, savings created by, by employing uh, LEDs. Uh, and another um, um, opportunity that I would like to, to mention here is also off-balance um, solutions, such as light as a service, for instance, where we retain the ownership of the lighting installation and the customer actually leases the equipment Uh, which means that uh, we offer hassle-free, state-of-the-art lighting solutions. We take care of the installation, the maintenance, and also the upgrade or uh, taking it back at the end of its lifetime. So I think there are are really a number of solutions out there. and, And lighting, once again, has quite a, a positive contribution to make because the uh, return on investment is actually much quicker and so payback times are much quicker uh, in lighting compared to, to some of the other uh, verticals uh, in the smart city spectrum.
0: Yeah, and I think um, the more awareness and case studies and examples of those new models that you mentioned we can get out there, then the better to sort of help cities find them and see them in action, I think. Um, Absolutely, yes. So one of the findings uh, from the research that did surprise me was that um, less than a fifth of cities that responded said that they prioritise their smart city initiatives based on citizen input. And um, in a way, it didn't surprise me, but it also did because we hear more than ever these days at conferences in, in all types of places that citizens are central um, to everything about the smart city so why do you think this um, theory isn't translating into action yet?
1: Well you know the smart city concept originally was of course initiated by technology and IoT companies that have very much been focusing on efficiency and scalability and reducing cost but I really think that this focus is shifting these days and and the reason for that is because of one of the ma- major trends that that we also have identified which is digitalization and citizens these days are much more connected than in the past. I mean, uh, when you look uh, at cities, 97% of citizens have mobile phone uh, subscriptions and 47% have access to mobile data. So this level of connectivity is very much also changing citizens' expectations of their governments. Whereas before it was really a sort of one way uh, stream where governments were supplying information in a sort of top-down approach. It's it's now becoming much more of a bottom-up approach where where citizens are interacting with governments much more frequently. And what we also see is that they actually expect much more personalized um, digital services so they want to have just-in-time information about uh, you know whether the the bus or the subway will get them to work faster or whether the weather makes it a good day to take a bicycle uh, and the more people are using these services of course the more data is being fed into this ecosystem which makes it then much more accurate and reliable for, for citizens to use. And I would like to give uh, perhaps just um, one other example, which I find quite interesting, because when you talk about citizen engagement, um, one of the topics that of course is, is very much linked to that is the whole issue around data privacy, because obviously uh, that is a big issue, um, and what we have seen is that if if, if citizens are, are asked just in general whether they're okay to share their data with the government, then usually the the response is is quite negative. But when when there is a specific purpose so when it's a purpose driven uh request um to to share information then they become much more interested and willing to share information and and that happened for instance in in rotterdam where um citizens were actually requesting in a certain neighborhood um to to set up um a project on uh, acoustic sensors where the city could then detect um, um, whether a sound was actually an accident or whether there was an incident happening, a fight or something that would allow the police to respond much faster and to turn up the light in that area and to actually track and trace with a much more specific response uh, depending on what that incident was all about. And that was very much driven by the community that had actually requested this kind of service uh, from from their government
0: yeah yeah i think that's a good um point about the data and the privacy and to bring it back to that example is is useful because it's definitely a big area Um, so finally um one of the findings of our research was around um i suppose partly around the term smart cities so 76 percent of our responders said that respondent said that smart cities don't exist yet and i wondered um firstly what you think about that and whether it's useful to talk about um smart cities you know is it is it a useful term or what do you think
1: well you know the the the, the... The word smart city or the term smart city has really become a a buzzword these days. And uh, if you ask a hundred different people on the street what uh, smart city is to them, you'll probably get a hundred different answers because smart city is really a subjective concept there's no one agreed definition of a smart city and at the end of the day a smart city is about really about transforming data into information that uh, and information that can be used to make smart decisions and improve citizens lives i think that in the end that's in the end what what it really comes down to and Interestingly enough um most of the that data uh, is already out there. I mean, about 85% of the data that cities need to run a smart city, they probably already got. Uh, The important thing is how to get better control of that data and understand it and understand what that data is actually saying to them because just gathering data is, is meaningless. You need to be able to actually connect that data and actually transform it into certain services and activities that can improve um, city and citizens' lives. And and that's where I think um, what is quite useful is to look into how to better standardize some of that data that is out there, because it's much easier to to connect data and to interpret data when you compare apples with apples. Uh, And we are actually um, working in that respect with uh, one of our partners, which is the World Council on City Data, Mm -hmm. and they have to develop together with the with the ISO with the international standard organization and an ISO standard which is called 37120 which is the the first standard on on smart cities and it actually measures um 17 different city themes including economy, education, governance, health, safety, environment, transportation and so forth. And so what it helps is um, for cities to make smarter and better decisions and also to benchmark Uh, each other and there are about um, 65-70 cities around the world from from mega cities such as LA or Buenos Aires up to to smaller cities uh, that have actually been accredited uh, and and, are now working with that standard Uh, and I think that is in general uh, quite a useful way to make sure that the data that is being uh, accumulated through uh, smart city deployment is actually also interpreted in, in a smart uh, way that, that helps citizens to actually live a more comfortable and, and happy and safer life in the cities in uh, which they call home. So perhaps just to put that all in a nutshell really what I think what what we need to remember at the end of the day is that technology is, is really just an enabler. It's, it's not an end in itself and and smart cities is really an evolving concept uh it's it's something that is constantly changing so there will never be an end to a smart city development the, the important thing is is really that the smart city is able to deliver benefits to a broad part of the population and when a city is able to achieve that then they are really on a good path and of course it it, in signify we are uh, helping and advising uh, governments around the world to fulfill their smart city um, plans
0: excellent well thank you very much uh, Barbara for your insights that's been really useful Um, to the listeners out there please do go to www.smartcitiesworld.net and download our smart cities beyond the hype research I've been Sarah Ray on the smart cities world podcast with Barbara Chrysler from Signify thank you